Our scripture this morning comes from Colossians chapter 3. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the church in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Colossians chapter 3. Beginning of verse 12, where Paul writes, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a desire among so many of us to to try to know who we are, to get a, a real sense of identity, a sense of being, a sense of belonging, a sense of connectedness. So many people now love to try to put together their family trees or to to look at their ancestry, to take the DNA test, to try to figure out exactly what is my story? What is my history? What is my sense of belonging? Where do I connect? How do I fit in? And and some people are masters at being able to go, so now my great-great-great-grandfather and my great-great-great-grandmother on this, and, and they can connect things? It's amazing to me. Never been able to do that. Now, my grandmother could. Nancy's grandmother could. I, I told you before that, that when we were getting married, before we got married, we tried not to allow our two grandmothers to get together too soon before the wedding because we knew those two would have us cousins in no time. By the way, they can you know, trace back over here. Now, let's see. And, and then over here. So you, and, then, and, then, and, then, and pretty soon, the tree would merge. Got us a little nervous about what was going to to happen there. Some people love to do that. My mother and my first cousin started doing, putting together our family tree and, and they started working on it. And true story, Nancy will testify, this is a true story. They got a certain ways back on our family tree and decided, you know, some things you're just better off not to know. And stopped. 
It was kind of one of those decisions that our family made to go, let's draw a line and start here forward. True story. I mean, some of us, we, we want to know our heritage. We want to know our identity. We want to sense a belonging. Who are we? How do we fit in? We're thinking about that as the church at this time of year. We, we spend some time reflecting on who we've been as the people of God and who is God calling us to be as we go forward. So we spend some time looking on what is our identity? What is our sense of being? Who are we? What is the calling that God has in our lives? So we turn to the Scripture. If you're one of those people who like to make a note in your Bibles, underline in your Bibles, highlight in your Bibles, or highlight in the app that you're using as your Bible, this is one of those Scriptures you might want to make a note of. It's a pretty powerful Scripture because Paul starts out here telling us our identity. He goes, you're God's chosen ones. That's who you are. You want to know who you are? You're the ones that God chose. You're the ones that God, by God's grace, has sought to make holy. You are beloved. Not just loved. But, but in John 3.16, Jesus reminded us that God so loved. And, and here Paul goes, you, you are beloved by God. Someone was asked, do you believe in love at first sight? And, and, and their response was, yes, it's happened to me a couple times. And they named their kids' names. I thought that was interesting. Yes, it's happened to me a couple times because all of a sudden I didn't know this kid. I didn't know this person. But, but the moment they were laid in my arms, it was love at first sight. There was a bond that was there. And I realized I would give anything for this person. I'd give my life for this person. Love at first sight. And that's the way that God looks at you. That's the way that God looks at us is that, that God sees us as this is my kid. My chosen. My beloved. You are the beloved. It's our identity. It's what we try to share with our youth. It's what we try to teach our children. It's what we try to teach then even us as adults that, that, that our identity is in our relationship with God. That, that, that we have a sense of being in essence and character. That, that being a Christian is not what we do. It's who we are. And being the church, it's not what we do. It's who we're called to be. It's to be our essence, our identity, our being deep inside. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and says, But you are a chosen race. You are a pre holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's own people. You're God's own people. It's a part of our attributes. It says, you know, when you're part of this family, when you're part of this group, when you're part of this, this, this people, these are some of the attributes. Well, Paul then looks at us and said, if, if you're part of the family of God, if you're part of the chosen ones, if, if you're God's kids, then, then these are some of the things that you look like. You clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. If, if you're God's kids, then you realize you're in relationship as well. I mean, the Scripture said in verse 12, you're God's chosen ones, not God's chosen one. 
We're called to be in community. We're called to be a people. We're called to be, you know, we're God's holy people, not God's holy person. We're meant to be in community together and fellowship together and relationship together. In verse 15, he goes on to say, and you're called to be then part of that one body. That's our essence. So he begins to share, what does that look like? So he goes, so if you're God's people, God's body, God's church, then we'll bear with one another. I love that scripture because actually when you look at the word bear and and you look at the Greek word there, it means to endure. Endure with one another. Stick to it with one another. I mean, being in relationship with others, it's not always going to be easy. I mean, sometimes it's just a piece of cake being together, but there are other times you might have to bear with one another, endure one another, agree that we're going to stick to it with one another. And that's what Paul is saying here. And that's why in that same sentence, without even a period, but actually connecting it in the sentence, he says, and therefore, if somebody does something to another, forgive them. Because the assumption is, if you're a people, if you're a group, if you're going to be in a community, if you're going to be around others, somebody's going to do something. But you bear with one another. You don't give up. You don't throw your relationships aside. You don't toss someone out. You stick to it with each other. Bear with one another. And if you need to forgive each other, then forgive because God has already forgiven us, Paul says. So if if we're the forgiven, we are then called to be the forgiving. But don't give up on each other. And he goes on to say, and above all, clothe yourselves with love. I mean, that's the thing he says that holds everything in harmony is is we're not simply called to be in a people group together, but actually we're, we're called to love each other. It helps me stick to it with you when I love you. I can bear with you when I love you. And Paul then says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. If you get into that Greek word, those of you who love sports, that word rule there is actually a sporting word. It means let the word of God or the peace of Christ rather be your referee. It means to be an umpire. It means to be the one that makes the call. So if you get to a point in your life when you're not sure what to do, then he says, let the peace of Christ be the ref in your life. Let the peace of Christ or that that oneness of Christ, let that be the umpire in your life. If you're not sure how to play the game, the one who understands is Christ. So let Christ be the one that calls the shots. Let the peace of Christ be the ref, the umpire, the one that makes the difference. And then Paul says, And if you're my people, my beloved, my chosen, be thankful. Be thankful. I I, I will share with you, sometimes we we hear that that there is an entitlement generation. I'm not sure that that's fair to look at a group of people and go, that's the entitlement generation. I, I actually think it's broader than that. I think we're developing an entitlement culture that goes across generations. I think you know, it's, it's harder for us to be thankful. And I, I wonder if Paul saw that coming because he, he says it no less than three times in this short passage of Scripture that we read. I mean, in verse 15, he just says straight out, be thankful and be thankful. That's just one whole sentence right there. Be thankful. But, but then he says in verse 16, and when you worship, worship with gratitude. And then in verse 17, he goes, and whatever you do, Whatever you do, give thanks to God, the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I, I think we have to look at ourselves sometimes and, and not simply look at another generation and go, they seem to be entitled, but have we bought into that? Because I will tell you, it is hard to be thankful for something you're entitled to. It's hard to be thankful for something that you believe you're owed. It's hard for us to be thankful for something when we believe we deserved it to start with. Of course we have it. We deserve it. It's our right. You're obligated to make sure. It's hard for us sometimes in our world to be thankful today. But when we join together in this place, we're reminded of who our God is and we're called to give thanks. Thanksgiving holidays coming up. And, and I'll tell you, Thanksgiving for the longest time had been one of my favorite holidays. You know, and you're, you're going, I'm just surprised, preacher. I would have thought for sure it was Christmas and Easter because you're the preacher. Well, we're a little busy on Christmas and Easter, I'm just going to tell you. And it is the high holy days. So it's holy days, absolutely. But as a time to gather together as family, Thanksgiving was always a very special time because I, I felt like you know, it had not become so commercialized. And, and, and also, you, know, there was, you didn't have the pressure of, of buying gifts. And I love to watch people, other people open gifts and to see, what they, you know, see how they experience. But I'll tell you, I stress over Christmas. I stress because you want to make sure, did I get it right? Did I get the right thing? You know, and then you feel so bad when you're going, we'll take it back. We'll take it back. I've got the receipt. First thing tomorrow, we'll take it back. And so I always felt kind of pressured. I loved Thanksgiving, though, because it just seemed to be a time where we could gather together and, and enjoy being together. We were often games going on that we're playing together or watching games together on the TV and, and laughing and talking about what was happening. But it's changed over the last several years, over the last while. I mean, you know, it's, what frustrates me, and, then, and I, I don't mean to be offensive in any way with this, but... I just get so frustrated that now Thanksgiving is more about the beginning of the season of how we get more. That we, we can't even pause as a culture anymore to give thanks to God and to be with the people that God has placed in our lives. Those relationships that are supposed to be so important and vital to who we are. We can't really enjoy being together with the people we love the most giving thanks to God for all the blessings we've received, the doxology of praise God from whom all blessings flow, because we're thinking, all right, so now we're going to go start here, and then we're going here, and then we're going there, and you go here, and I'll go there, and we'll meet. Wow. Have we become a culture that can't pause to give thank you God for what we have without being obsessed by what I'm looking to get next? I don't think it's a generation. I think it's a culture. And I think God then is calling us as the church to be a little different. As a matter of fact, Ralph Martin in his commentary uh, on the scripture, the heading of the scripture is Christian distinctives. These are some of the things that may set us apart. And one of the things that can set us apart is to be thankful people. To be a people of gratitude and, and I, I think we have to be careful we can't blame the industry for making Thanksgiving commercialized because if we didn't buy into it they couldn't be open we have to own our gratitude where is 
our thanks and praise. And then Paul goes on to say, and let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let the word of Christ. If, what does it mean to be the people of God and our identity as the people of God? Well, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. One of the things that's been so important to me over my last 11 years, 10 and a half years of being your pastor is, is to try to teach you this book. Because I just, I believe it's so vital and it's so important. It's part of our essence and our being is, is this is our faith. This is, this is our book. And as the people of God, how can we be the people of God if, if we don't really know God? And how do we get to know God better? Well, one of the disciplines that helps us know God better is, is to study God's word and to grow in our faith. John Wesley, who was the, the forefather of the United Methodist Church, said that, that he was homo unus ebri, libri, which means I am a man of one book. I, I just am a man of one book. And so Paul says to us, I let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And here's how you do that. He said, you, you teach and admonish one another. Teach. That's where we study the doctrine. That's where we study the scripture. It's where we study what is it that we believe? Because it really does make a difference what we believe. And how do we know what we believe without getting into the scripture itself? And, and so Paul says, so teach one another. One of the things I love about uh, Luke is Luke tells us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to the synagogue. Jesus is the Word of God in human form. But Jesus went to the synagogue, I think, to make a point. Now, you're going, well, what's the difference between the synagogue and the temple? Well, in Old Testament times in particular, but if you, if you look at kind of the difference, between, this is going to be very elementary, and not, I mean, you can push it and break it down, and I understand that. But, but just imagine the synagogue is Sunday school, life groups, Bible studies, etc., and temple is worship. That's where the offerings were made. And, and that's where the people would come together on the high holy days to worship and praise God. But the synagogue was where you would go and sit down with the elders and the elders would teach and you could raise your hand and ask questions and you could, you could grow together with those who are further on the journey and those who are just beginning the journey and together you, you dialogued and shared the faith. Jesus went to synagogue and temple because He got left at the temple. But He went to synagogue as was His custom. And if you flip over to Acts 17, Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, tells us again that Paul, Paul went to the synagogue as was his custom. Paul, in order to study and, and, and to hear the word of God and, and to be able to ask the questions and grow in the faith and having someone who would mentor while others mentored. Our church actually started as a, as a result of a Bible study when John Wesley was asked, would you teach a Bible study? He was, he was a, a, a priest and a professor, and, and he was asking, you know, will you teach? And he goes, I'll teach a Bible study if we'll do it on Thursday nights. Why Thursday nights? Well, that was before Thursday night football. That's why. But no, why Thursday night? <laughs> Thursday night was because that was the night when his mother would sit down with him and do Bible study with him. And it just meant the world to him. So he goes, I'll do it again if we'll do Thursday nights. I've often wondered why we in the Methodist Church do Wednesday night Bible studies instead of Thursday night Bible studies when Thursday night Bible studies is what got us here. But the people studied the Scripture, though, to the point that they were nicknamed the Methodists. That's how we got our name. 
from studying the Scripture and growing into faith. And so Paul says you need to allow the Word of Christ to dwell richly in you. Not have a, a, a cursory understanding of Scripture, but do, this is our faith. It's our essence. It's our being. Do we know this book? That's why we do the Bible studies and the Sunday school classes and the life groups. And it's why it's so important because this is what shapes and makes us who we are. So Paul says, so admonish one another. Now, when you hear that, sometimes we go, admonish? I don't want somebody admonishing me. That's the whole reason I became Methodist is I didn't think they admonished. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't mean to judge and it doesn't mean to be harsh. Well, what it means is, is the people of God in a community, in the body of Christ, is the chosen ones, the body together, that we hold each other accountable. We, I need people who will look at me and go, are you okay? Are you Okay. Where are you in your walk with Christ? Where are you struggling the most? What's going well for you? Where are you hurting? Let's grow together. And it means to hold each other accountable. You see, I personally believe that the church is one big recovery program. That's who we are, is, is a people coming together, seeking to be the people that God has called us to be in spite of our brokenness. So Paul goes on then and says, and worship God with gratitude. Sing the psalms, sing the hymns, sing spiritual songs to God. Why? When we join together to worship God as the people of God, we come into this place and we're reminded of who our God is. And we're reminded of our God who so loved the world. We come here to worship and offer thanksgiving and praise to God. I, I've got a bad habit, and, and that is that when I drive, I, I have the radio on, and, and the radio is oftentimes on news because I just want to be able to know what is happening in our world today. Is there something that we, the people of God, should be responding to? And, you know, just kind of what's happening. But, you know, what, I, what I've got to learn to do is turn it on and go, no, it's just the normal stuff, and then turn the channel. I tend to let it stay there too long, and pretty soon it'll start drawing you down and pulling you down, and you're, you're hearing what's happening in the world, and you're hearing the, the, the bitterness among people and the bitterness among parties and, and, and the killings that occur and the way that we just can't seem to, to learn to love and live together. I need to come in this place. I need to come in this place regularly to worship and be reminded, but above it all, there's God. But above it all, there's God. And we are called to worship with thanksgiving and praise. You see, worship is to be a response to God, and, and everything that we do is to be a response to God. And these offerings that we're making and we make each Sunday, it's, it's a response to God. It's an act of worship. It's an act of gratitude. It's a way of recognizing I'm so blessed. And then Paul just kind of tries to wrap it up. And he goes, you're God's chosen ones, you're the beloved, you're called to be holy, you're called to be one together, let the word of God dwell in you richly. He goes through the whole list that we've just gone through, and then he just finally goes, in other words, in other words, whatever you do. I just love that. In other words, whatever you do, whatever you do, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, just do it in the name of Christ because that's, that's who you are. You're, you're Christian. You're the body of Christ. You're the church. So whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Whatever you do on Sunday morning, but whatever you do on Monday morning, whatever you do on Tuesday afternoon, whatever you do on Thursday night, whatever you do, whatever you do, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What is our identity and our being? Who are we? Where is our connection? What is our story? What is our history? What is our heritage? Who are my people? Well, Paul says, you're God's own people. You're God's chosen ones. You are the beloved. It's who you are. And whatever you do, whatever we do as the church together, whatever we do as the body of Christ, as we look over the past year and look to the next year, whatever that means, we do so in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And we give thanks to God. Will you pray with me? God, we're just so grateful for your love and your grace, and we're grateful that we have a people. Because we need to know where we belong, our sense of identity, our DNA, our being, our history, our story. What is the story behind us that shapes the story ahead of us? And you tell us. We are your chosen ones. By your grace. Not anything we did. It's just grace and love. We are the beloved. Not to be superior to the world around us, but to be the people that offer then your love to the rest of your world that you also beloved. So God, we pray that you would help us to be the people you've called us to be, to be your church. And God, we pray that we would bear with one another and forgive one another and, and be the community of faith together to be one body, not, not a group of broken people or brokenness or or, or caucuses and groups, but to be the body of Christ. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, most importantly, brought together in love. Your love for us, our love for you, our love for each other. So God, we pray that you would help us then to, to grow in our faith and to allow the Allow Christ to dwell richly within us and to grow in that word of Christ, the scriptures the, that we would teach and admonish and be with one another and grow to be your people. Community of faith, active in our world today. We are your people, dear God. You are our God. And when we think about it, we can't help but give thanks. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus who is the Christ and who loved us enough to die for us. May our lives be a response to your love and your grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we bring forth our gifts of giving, times and time and talent to the altar, we sing the hymn of faithfulness.
of God's faithfulness to us. To him, number 140, great is